0: Hello there, this is Dr. Casey Bradley, and you're listening to The Real P3 Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the real pork producers around the world. I hope you enjoy. It doesn't matter what newspaper you pick up, what industry you work with, virus is in a lot of them, right? The news, either the COVID virus, or if you work in the pig industry, It's PERS lately here, at least in the U.S. And we've been dealing with different pathogens, either bacterial or viral, for years in our industry. And with the recent surge of PERS-144 and how devastating that has been here in the U.S. for our swine producers this year, I thought it would be a great opportunity to interview Dr. Joel Flores with Cambridge Technologies, and he's going to talk about vaccines. Dr. Flores has a lot of experience in diagnostics and vaccine development. So I hope you enjoy. Well, hello there, Dr. Flores. How are you doing today?
1: Pretty good. Thank you. How about yourself?
0: Good. Would you mind telling the audience a little bit about yourself if you don't mind?
1: Okay, my name is Joel Flores. I'm originally from Mexico. I get my D in veterinary medicine. Certificate for the uh, title in Mexico in 1984. I worked for the uh, pharmaceutical industry for a couple of years in Mexico, and then I moved to the north of the country. I always worked for farm animals since uh, 1986, and I came to the United States in 1991 to make a postgrad education at Purdue University. I worked with Purdue University from 1995 to 2000. I did my own program on masters, doing a research on helicobacter pyloric and gastric ulcers in swines. And after that, I worked for Smithfield for five years. And then I moved to uh, the Department of Agriculture in Virginia, the USDA. And I told you, come back to the home industry with vaccines. I worked for Cambridge Technology, a company that makes autogenous vaccines for cattle and for swine.
0: Well, that's some great background, and we've met through a mutual friend in the swine industry, so it's kind of great to be here. We, we met at World Pork this year, and we were talking about vaccinations, and I asked you, what's going on with PERS-144, and what are some, some of the issues we're having, and why is it, I mean, are vaccinations not safeguarding us better?
1: Well, the issue is that vaccines can have different reasons why they maybe are not working as good as we want. Some of the can be just by the vaccine, sometimes because we don't apply them correctly. I don't think any company made vaccines to fail. They normally do in order to improve. But also sometimes what happens is the etiology that we are trying to protect with doesn't behave the way we want. They don't read the books. And we can see that in disease for humans like AIDS or human immunosuppression. We also see that with Ebola and with some other diseases that affect cats and dogs where the immune system is compromised. And what happens is this virus has the capacity to downregulate the immune system of the host they are invading. So they go and most of them replicate in the immune cells of the host. In this case, pers replicate in the uh, alveolar macrophage, the cells that protect the lungs. So, at the beginning, as soon as they get infected, the pig establishes an immune response that is called the humoral immune response that will go and identify the invasion of the purse, but then promote the phagocytosis of this purse virus by the macrophage. And guess what? When the virus is eaten or eaten by the macrophage, he starts multiplying inside the cell that was supposed to destroy them and promote defense. So we have a way that the virus is promoting to be self-eated so he can replicate inside the macrophage. The macrophage taken all the way to the lymph nodes, and the lymph node is the big factory of antibodies and cells for the immunity. So guess what? He just sequestrated the whole factory and replicate there too. So better than be destroyed, he used the immune system to multiply. And that's one of the biggest problems. Now, in the old days, we didn't know how to act. Today, we know that what happened is it has some shells or protection that avoid that the immune system from the peak identify the point that need to be targeted with cell media immune response. They are the GP5, GP2, GP3, it's glycoproteins, just the GPs. So now we know what we have to do. And start targeting on that direction with the new vaccines, the generatrix vaccine, subunit so vaccines. We are not there today, but I will say in the future we will be there. Nevertheless, right now we can use the prime booster situation because inactivated vaccines will don't do the job. The live, modified live vaccines that we have today also they don't do the job completely. But there has to be a combination of the tools, in so we can have an immune response that will take time, but we will develop immunity.
0: So let's talk about the COVID world. We've made COVID. leaps and bounds in the modification of this new vaccine that is, you know, targeting what the specific attachment molecule, the S protein. Correct? Is this advancement on the human side going to be able to help us create? vaccinations on the swine side and cattle side to prevent PERS in the future? Or does it not help accelerate that for us?
1: Well, what happened is uh, in this case with a PERS virus, it's not just one structure. With the coronavirus, we know that it's a spike. And that's why they are targeting just that spike. In PERS virus, we at least know that there's proteins that has to be used for the vaccine, subunit vaccines. But they are not like the spikes on the coronavirus. They are allocated within the proteins and also within the matrix of the virus. So, in order to be able to do it, we need to put the virus, destroy it, break it, and then purify it so we can have just these proteins and then put it within any kind of a vaccine. We can use adenovirus, we can use DNA virus and DNA vaccines, or we can also use um, plasmids. But yes, it is possible to do it.
0: Well, you're talking about microphages. You bring me back to my master's degree and um, I spent, I don't know how many hours with the microscope counting microphages and how many sheep red blood cells they ate. So one of the things that I focused on was passive immunity. So how can we change that to innate and adaptive immunity in the pigs or what we fed the sows? When we're talking about microphages, can we over-regulate that innate immune system through different feed technologies that that help her succeed? Or are there some in your options some things we can do to underregulate macrophages? Is that a better approach? Or how do you look at that from a stimulating or you know downregulating immune system for a weaned pig? Well, I will say
1: we, we don't need to uh downregulate the macrophages because then you will put the pig without the fences. Mm-hmm. So it's not something that we're looking for. We're trying to make more than nothing stimulate the immune system to produce the right antibodies when we present the right protein to be used.
0: But that gets us back to the right vaccination. Well, yes. So you were quite opinionated at World Pork and I loved your thoughts on why vaccinations fail. And we talked about half doses, single doses, things like that. Talk us through about, these decisions we're making that saves us money in the short run, but may be costing us money in the long run. But the
1: vaccination?
0: Yeah. We talked about, you know, people cutting their doses in half or one dose, uh. or two dose and things.
1: Yeah. What, what happens is normally the people believe that because the, the shot has to be like a one milliliter. And it's the same that you can apply to a old cell to a piglet that weighed 120 pounds. And then when they see the little one, they say, Oh, let's put half of it because it doesn't need so much. And most of the time, the dose that we apply, it has nothing to do with the size of the animal. What we are trying to do is to get a level or title of viral particles or bacterial particles that will promote immune response. When we have a modified live virus, that means the virus is active. So we put it inside the animal and it will multiply. So it doesn't need a large quantity. And when I talk about large quantity, we're talking like 10 to the 3 or 10 to the 4. That means 1,000, 10,000, or 100,000 particles, right? For a vaccine, in this case, first, to be effective, you need to be like a 10 to the 5. 100,000 particles, a modified life. If you want to go with an inactivated, then you have to go like 10 to the 6, that is 1 million particles. It has nothing to do with the size of the peak. It's about to get the immune system working.
0: These production trials I hear about, a lot of people are cutting doses in half or maybe only given one dose. What is the risk then if we need to get, depending on the vaccination, 10 to the 5 to 10 to the 6 particles?
1: Okay, what happens is when they do sub-doses of the vaccine, we're going to say they are priming the animal. You know, they vaccinated, they give it a shot, so their immune system of the animal will recognize the enemy, right? And will trigger a little small immune response. Maybe don't develop as much response that needs to be done in a way of protection. But what happens is with time, that pig will see again the, the virus or the bacteria within the environment. And then the natural exposure will work like a buster. So for some other diseases, maybe it will work. Because each time that you immunize an animal, the first time, you get cells, memory cells that will remember the invasion, right? And then they will develop, and if the pig is in good health, he will respond, and in two, three weeks, he will develop the immunity needed to protection. But the sad part with persons that or get a good immune response and control the invasion, it takes to two to three months. So if they vaccinate a little pig during the lactation time, right, with half of the dose, and then the pig go out to an environment where there is a lot of virus, He maybe has two or three weeks, so he has not enough protection to support that invasion. So the environment will also dictate how good or bad is going to be the life of the pig.
0: So on vaccinations, you work with autogenous vaccinations now. Kind of walk us through the advantages, because I've always been a proponent of those, and I've used some to control my different um, enteric challenges I had in my sow herd in the past. So. Talk through the requirements, the advantages, disadvantages of autogenous vaccinations.
1: Well, the autogenous vaccines has been developed because we have two different kinds of vaccines, commercial vaccines and autogenous vaccines or custom-made vaccines. Most of the time, the big industry, they develop vaccines that can be applied for millions of animals Because they are looking for something that can be applied everywhere around the world, right? So when you have an organism that is maybe unique, doesn't change, and is the same everywhere, that vaccine will work fantastic. One example was mycoplasma vaccine. You know, it was a vaccine that companies used to sell billions of them around the world every year. Why? Because the mycoplasma doesn't mutate, it's the same. The same one that's 40 years ago is the same today. But with other diseases or other etiologies, it's not the same. In the bacterial world, we have Streptococcus suis. It's one name, but the same family has like 32 or 35 serotypes that are different. And sadly, they don't share protection. So, Streptococcus suis is around the world. But in America, we have serotype two that is maybe the more active. In Europe, we have number one. So the vaccines don't cross. So I will say truly it's not something that is very attractive for a company to make a licensed product that they cannot modify. They have to have seats there and they have to keep it and make a patent. So commercially it's not something that they are attracted to. it. But for producers that are having problems and struggle, it's a need to solve their problem. So the old version that one product fits all doesn't work. So what we do is we go to the farm, we sample the animal, the farm, we send samples to the lab. Either it can be the university or the lab in our company. And we do the isolation of the etiology. We prove it, and then we it. We culture, inactivate it, and then we apply with an adjuvant. The adjuvant is in order to promote the immune response to have an activity. If we just put the organism inactivated, it's like if we just give it a shot of water, maybe get a little abscess because we put some material there, but there won't be no immune response. Today we have adjuvants that are able to promote humoral immune response and cell-mediate immune response. That is what we are looking for. Neutralizing antibodies are the ones who neutralize virus or bacteria, even toxins from infections. So that's what we do. The advantage is that you are not putting any other etiology that is not in your farm and is not active. So it's not going to promote diseases.
0: No, I mean, that's great. If we can c- control strep, that's wonderful. But I'm going to throw out a tough question because currently most producers control strep with antibiotics. When well, we, does I that agree. hurt or does that cause more mutations? And, you know, we talk about antibiotic resistance. Are we hurting ourselves with that approach versus? custom-made vaccine for our strains?
1: Well, the, the sad part with that is that sometimes, like many places, is abuse. Use the things as a tool is okay when you have an issue, but use it just to cover lack of sanitation, good management is not correct. Because, like you say, we are promoting animals, or in this case, bacteria more than nothing, that we'll be resistant to the antibiotics within the future. So it can hurt us because sometimes zoonotic problems happen from animals to humans and also from humans to animals. So that's the last thing that we want to have. Too many antibiotic-resistant organisms around.
0: So we want to take this break to thank our sponsors, the Sun Swine Group, NutriSwine, Swine Nutrition Management, and Pig Progress, But we also wanted to remind you of our new Facebook group, the Global Swine Professionals. We're going to be doing something fun, some live interviews, some Q&A, and we just want to hear from our audience. So that's a great place for you to take the time, leave us a comment, tell us what you want to hear, or volunteer to be on our show, because we're always looking for those awesome pork producers around the world. Well, that's all I had, so let's get back to that episode now. So do you feel this use of, in the U.S., we are still allowed to use therapeutic antibiotics when we go to Europe and things, they're discussing, you know, discussing taking out therapeutic antibiotics as well. Do you think a strong vaccination program will be as effective to controlling disease as therapeutic antibiotics are today?
1: Well, what happened is in Europe, they haven't taken away the therapeutic use of antibiotics. What they take away is the use of antibiotics as a promoter of growing or feed conversion. Because what happens is when you feed continually antibiotics to an animal, you eliminate all the bugs that maybe can produce problems. So there is no waste of uh, energy or resources from the pig to produce more meat. He is never getting sick. When you have an animal that is not on continuous antibiotics, it will have challenge all the time because our environment is full with microorganisms. They came through our nostrils, our eyes, through the mouth, in the body, and they are a challenge. So the immune system is active the whole time and it consumes some of the energy that the pig is using to grow. What happens is in Europe, they use antibiotics as a therapeutic, but they are not allowed this to put it in feed or water. They have to go and maybe need treatments by shots.
0: Yeah, that's kind of where I meant to go. Like they can't use the feeder water still that we can for therapeutic or preventative.
1: We use here in America and it's when you have an outbreak from an organism that you didn't have and is susceptible to antibiotics, yes. The best oh, way yeah. to tackle that is right there. You know, you avoid more damage. But in the long run, the best way is to develop uh, a strategy where you can use vaccines that will protect you the whole time, so you don't overuse antibiotics.
0: Let's talk about vaccination. So I have a you know a herd that's got PERS history, mycoplasma history, strep history. Let's say we got flu. We have a little I don't know E. coli every once in a while. How do I make an, a vaccination program to be successful in that herd? Because do I want to target all the vaccinations early in life? Do we want to stagger them? What would be your recommendation for a herd like that, that faces all that, that wants to be able to lower their antibiotic use for treatment and therapeutic needs for these different diseases? How do we create a successful program through vaccinations versus antibiotics? Every farm
1: is different. So we cannot make like a cooked recipes that we work for Mm every So what we do is we interact with the veterinarians or we go and visit the farm. So we see their management and based on how they raise their animals and what um, sanitation program they have, also which medications are they using, if they are using any, and how they apply. The second will be to do a monitoring system by serology can be done so we can see the dynamic of the disease, how they move within the herd. Is they have a continuous presence the whole time, or they have cycles where they have like influenza and purse and then get quiet and then come back again. <laughs> and then the other thing would be to see on the south herd, we can put one way of management and on the pig is the other one. Sometimes the immunity from the mother will protect the pig in a good way. If we have a management of this, like a whole cycle, or if we have two sites, three sites, or just when to finish. So depends that. But, yeah, it can be promoted to get a calendar and also see which one of all the diseases they have really are, we can say, the ones pulling the trigger and who other ones are just the invite one. They just came as a host
0: in mm-hmm. the party started. So you brought up a good point. It sounds like we need to do a lot more diagnostics on a regular basis, even in healthy, presumed healthy flows, to understand these dynamics.
1: Well, the first thing would be just yes, to do a, a perfil on the uh, animals to see which diseases are present. And most of the time, the veterinarians already know which diseases are there. And also, we can see the seasonal of them, you know, which one gets exacerbated in the fall which one in the summer or which in the spring. So based on that, use is how you will target your vaccination and your program.
0: So in your mind as a veterinarian, you know, what are some other things besides vaccinations and antibiotics can we do to control disease that we're not doing effectively today?
1: Well, the other thing that is very important and veterinarians has to make a big emphasis on that is sanitation. We need to look for biosecurity. We need to look for cleanliness. You know sometimes people think because they are animals they can live in a very bad, unhealthy environment and yes, they will do everything to survive without the end they can maybe die from a diseases. The other thing is today we have some maybe uh, substance that we can give to the animals as a supplement that will improve their performance or also their immunity. I'm talking about probiotics and non-probiotics I don't Work with them, so I cannot give you names. But I know that there are some natural things that can be applied to the pig or to the cattle, and will bolster immunity.
0: So, one of the projects I tried to work on in my career a little bit was some of those products and looking at it and placing them, or what I call it, pulsing them around vaccination times. So, can I like with a moss product that was my master's degree? but can i boost that innate immune system right early on yes. right before the vaccination so and then also that we saw not only in that you know the sound and the pigs some t helper cells were elevated through the style supplementation and so that was kind of some of the stuff i was working on but there hasn't been a lot of that cross functioning between veterinarians and nutritionists to really effectively know when we can stimulate that and, and when should we right and then we can take yeast for example you got the beta-glucans and you got the moss or you know um, the mannan oligosaccharides they act differently they do two different things to the immune system and you know people would say well it's just a yeast cell wall i can feed it right and it and they need to dive in further to understand that well you may need a certain proportion of beta-glucans in this herd or moss how do we create models that the nutritionists, the immunologists, and the veterinarians work together to really accelerate immune development and protection in these animals? Is there good models being created out there, or, or what's your opinion?
1: Well, I think we need to maybe interact more. The sad part is that sometimes everyone seems to be very smart in their own corner. You know, We are not trying to play together like the boxers, one corner here and one corner there, and they swing drops one to another. I remember mm-hmm. seeing some literature about somebody who says, oh, no, no, you don't need to vaccinate against skirica coli, right? We have a big problem in the swine industry with the some of Most of the areas in neonate needles is because of skirica colon. And the easiest way to control is give it a, one vaccine to the mother before pharaoh, five weeks. Oh, they say, no, 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 put this thing on the water and then the pig is not going to get sick. I believe, you know, because there are some products that will change maybe the electrical charge, the pH, or something within the gut that will, yeah, will help the pig to minimize the colonization. But it still is not the answer. So I will say, if we can have one tool, why not use two? Each one will work in their own section. But then we will be more successful. So, yes, I will say we need to really interact. The sad part is that sometimes it hasn't been completely proved by the scientific model that is working, right? Because they say, oh, there is no statistical significance.
0: Or that we don't want the FDA to know, right? Because that's (laughs) an expensive uh, process to get stuff approved if you are saying that you're changing the immune system through nutrition so
1: well it's not that we are changing what happened is we are making them more favorable to the Mm -hmm. pig because it's like with us you know if people don't eat right things they get promoted to get more problems most of the disease that we have is because what we eat we eat too much sugar type 2 diabetes didn't came free it's because we abuse on the sugar right so we your predizer your pancreas, the insulin doesn't work, and guess what? You have type 2 diabetes. It's not because you were lack of insulin or your pancreas was dead. It's just because you abuse on the sugar, so the body says, forget it. I'm not going to keep working on this. That's <laughs> I
0: quit. No, I, I think that's some good points. Any last-minute thoughts on, on your mind on vaccination, sanitation, diagnostics? Mm-hmm.
1: Well, I will say uh, people who really do raise animals and is conscious about what they are doing, they follow these procedures. You know, they have veterinarians maybe working with them. They maybe also are doing innovation with nutrition and management, looking always for help the animals in the best place, the best environment, and minimize any kind of adversity. So, yeah, I would say to me, is a key. We have to work as a team, not as just myself. And with this uh, silver bullet, I'm going to fix all the problems. No, it's not like that. We have to uh, be really uh, not just believe in things, but we have to uh, apply what we are learning every day and move from one step to the other to make things better. Because sometimes I remember when I came to the United States, People used to do continual medication on the peak to avoid mycoplasma. So, the first vaccines that came out to the market was like, okay, this is going to be the silver bullet. And some people says, oh, it didn't work. Well, did you apply on the right time? Did you did, did it incorrect? So, sometimes little things we need to be aware of what are we doing that is making the animals not being
0: successful, right? Breaking down the silos, right? Teamwork. Yes. yes.
1: And I mean everything because also people don't think about it, but also the buildings has to do, you know, if we have poor ventilation, hey, it's not gonna work. I don't care how much medicine they give to the pig. A pig that has a draught of wind uh, and get it cold, he's gonna get diarrhea all the time. No doubt. It can be mechanical because the cold weather, wherever, but it would be having diarrhea, you don't care. How much medication you give it, or the probiotics, or where he will keep the diarrhea until it <laughs> fix the wind that is going through. We don't do with ventilation. They will have coughing problems. You know, too much dust. So yeah, it, it has to do with everything.
0: No, some great points. Before we go, I always let my guest turn the table and ask me a question. So, do you have any questions for me before we go? Sure. How do you interact
1: with your clients?
0: Well, that's a, that's a good question. A lot of times I I interact as I'm part of their team. It's like, what can I add? And so many people think I'm a nutritionist. Well, I got a PhD in pork production, not from a university, but growing up in it, working in it. And, you know, I always look at it from a manager level and a lot of people bring a veterinarian in a room, a nutritionist in the room, in the overall boss. And, a lot of people think that's ex- you know, this is our SOP, this is what's getting done. And you go spend a day with the crew and you can tell you right now what they think's getting done and what is actually getting done is not the same. And so I try to look at it to say are are we sure that this is really happening? Do we have training rights? And I talk through the, the challenges because really ultimately. At working for some of these large feed additive companies, for instance, and nutrition companies, we, and like you said, with the the commercially available vaccines, we want one thing, one size fits all. And that's never my approach with my clients or producers. It's like, okay, what can you do? What can't you control? And then, you know, if there's a disease problem, there's obviously nutritional strategies we can talk about, but I'm bringing the veterinarian in to say, hey, how can we work together, right? And a lot of times, that old adage: nutritionists, veterinarians. No, we don't talk to each other. We don't like each other. You know, we we all think we can do each other's job sometimes, or, or whatever. Egos, I think, get in the way. But you know, I've just learned throughout my career of when I've had a really good veterinarian to work with, I loved it. As a nutritionist, we could accomplish a lot more. When I didn't really have a veterinarian or, or a good one, that you know in different situations, is very difficult to make progress. And so I try to look at it from boots on the ground, not, you know, the overall manager, but, you know, the people on the ground, how can we make it easy for them? You know, and then, you know, what's their perspective on the challenges? What are the breakdowns in biosecurity there, the training, and then, you know, what are some connecting them to the right people? And I, I did that this last week. Dr. Flores has a autogenous vaccinate, you know, vaccine option. Got a massive strep issue going on. I'm not the veterinarian. I don't have the diagnostics on it, but ultimately I needed to put you in touch with them because I think that's, you know, working with two different strains of streps going to be the best opportunity for them. But now I step back because now it's the vets and the, the, your company, right. You know, considering something like that. So, but it's just, It goes back into me thinking about, you know, a lot of times veterinarians can put a lot of cost in a pig based on the idea of prevention, right? And a lot of times Mm -hmm. we seem to fail at prevention and I don't think it's the veterinarian's fault. I think it's a breakdown somewhere else, but as a nutritionist, we are, um, we want to be at least cost, right? We have the lowest cost. And I think sometimes it's even harder for us to dictate a price increase. For some of the things that you talked about how can we enhance that immune system at the right time so yeah. that's some of the, that's how i work a little bit and uh, i don't know everything and, and when i don't that's why i call the experts
1: that's exactly the point it's like we need to interact with one another because i remember when i worked for smithfield Smithfield midfield has an awesome group of news you know they were not just one guy there were like two or three of them and they didn't come together in an agreement but also they were always to listen. And it was like, you know, each farm in this case, or each uh, thing, a structure of farm will give you different problems. Maybe the same bug will act in a different age or with a different presentation. So I remember that they were going to listen to us when we said, you know, I think I'm having some toxin problem from fungus. The nutritionist says, okay, we need something that will help us to neutralize the toxins that are coming with the corn, how about it? They didn't do it on purpose. When they buy the corn, it came by train. So we don't know exactly how many, the moisture, the weather, how long was there. So by the time we get it, aflatoxicosis was a big problem. And we can see sales problems. We can see piglet problems. And they don't make how many medicines I give it or shots. I was gonna control because it's not something that I can do. I have to go and talk to the nutritionist and say, you know, I have this problem. So, how can you help me? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's true. We need to interact and be open. We don't know everything. And whoever says they know everything is a liar.
0: (laughs) That's what I love about being a scientist because I can learn something new every day. So, uh,
1: I do. I do. (laughs) (laughs) But yes, we need to to do, we need to uh, also. Keep updated ourselves, you know, not just on the diseases, but also in other fronts. What else is there? You know about technology within buildings, environment, filters, immune stimulants, nutritionist things. And yeah, I remember one time one of my friends from Mexico, he was talking to me about giving an oregano Oregon, hmm. to the pigs when they were sick. And they recovered. And I was like, I don't believe And he said, yeah, we have been putting one or two pounds per ton of feed in this piglet when they came to the nursery and they have less diarrhea problems and less, less uh, respiratory problems. And then I noticed that some people here in America, they have oregano oil. And when they feel like they are getting sick, they just get some drops or pills and it busts their immune system. So I was like, well, wow. you know, it's nothing more than just the you know, extraction of the oil. And it does. So hey, we need to be open. Everything came on bottles from the pharmaceutical companies.
0: <laughs> no, I agree. I have some crazy ideas of I can't say it on the air because steal my idea, but I think there's a lot to learn, right? In looking yeah, at different do forms of abusing the immune system. And you know, I mm-hmm. really appreciate your time and expertise and if somebody wanted to reach out to you to learn more about the autogenous vaccinations, how do they do that?
1: Well, they we can go, look on Google. We can go to Cambridge Technologies. Okay. the company that right, I work with. But if they want, I can give my phone right now. It's a 507-666-1638. They it can give me a call and I'll be willing to talk to them.
0: Yeah. And that's a plus one or, for our international colleagues as well so or, and what's yes. your email
1: Jay flores
0: at cambridge
1: technologies.com
0: well thank you very much dr flores as always it's a pleasure to learn from you and let's stay in touch
1: okay thank you
0: before we go we want to thank our sponsors again swine nutrition management nutrasign pig progress and the sun swine group don't forget to join our facebook the global swine professionals And as always, if you get a chance, hug a pig for me today.